0: Welcome to Travel Stories with your hosts, Tom Kim and Trevor Malcastle. This week, we talk all things Turkey and Turkish Airlines. You might almost call this Turkish Cubed, or not Turkish Cubed, T-Cubed. I think it's Turkish Delight, isn't it? Oh, it truly was a Turkish delight trip. It really was. This is our annual guys' trip. We did it a little early this year. You might remember, oh my gosh, I can't remember the episode that we talked Rio, but we did our last guys' trip in August, and usually we do that guys' trip in August. This is either early or it's an additional you know, opportunity because of the wonderful and now deceased Turkish Miles and Smiles incredible opportunity of 45,000 points to Europe.
1: A moment of silence for the award chart. Okay, that's long enough.
0: Yes, yes. No, oh, it, <laughs> I mean, it definitely deserved a moment of silence because that was just a wonderful little sleeper of an award chart piece there. I mean, you know, it was he, very you know, fortuitous
1: he, that we booked that trip, right? Because, you know, we booked that well in advance of hearing about that devaluation, which is kind of funny that, you know, it, it kind of made me feel better about the whole trip that, you know, going into it, I was a little bit less excited, but then it kind of my excitement grew a little bit when I realized, oh, this is probably an opportunity to utilize a kind of a sweet spot in that Turkish award chart that that is going away
0: it's so true and we got back and we had mere days and I procrastinated I had fallen in love with just the experience that we had there in Turkey I wanted to take the family back and I was so prepared to try to book a week long trip to Turkey try to get Cappadocia and I slept on it I was a little jet lagged you know my fault we know now jet lag is a choice. <laughs> and so I made the poor choice and I missed out on that opportunity to try to bring the family back, but just an incredible value. And and let's be honest, 65,000 is still not bad. I mean, right, if you look right. at what American and uh, well, American is 57.5 thousand, I think to Europe. But I mean, if you look at some of the other options out there to get to Europe and let alone to get all the way to Turkey. I think 65 is still a very reasonable amount. It's just, I think it makes it harder for me because I think you can only transfer Turkish from Capital One and City thank you points. And those are the two currencies that I just can't amass, you know, huge sums of miles uh, with or points with thank you points in uh, Capital One.
1: Yeah, I think probably some of the more, I guess, bigger hits were with some of the, like the Hawaii flights on United and some of the other sweet spots are probably even worse than the kind of business class Europe award chart changes that happened. But you're right. It, it's probably not bad enough to completely remove Turkish from your list of options. It's just now the, the kind of friction to book Turkish is, is worth even less of your time because there is a little bit of friction to book Turkish flight more so than, you know, other Star Alliance carriers.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I still remember. So we flew Turkish once before in 2021. It was just coming out of the pandemic. We were flying home from Istanbul. After the uh, Flying Blue fair that got us to Zagreb for what, like 25 or 30,000 Flying Blue miles in business class? That was a good deal. That was a great deal. That was one of those Flying Blue specials and it was just amazing. And I remember going through the process of booking the three of us on that. And I had to email, I think, the Boston Ticketing Office. And then I had to call up because they ended up messing up our name. I I think it was your name, actually, (laughs) that they (laughs) messed up with. I I don't know why. I don't know why. And, you know, that worked out. And the irony was, by doing that booking in 21, it unlocked my ability to book us on this trip for the quick three-night trip that we did. And so I had no problem. I mean, you know, folks talk about having to jump through hoops. If you've done it once it is super easy. I mean, I did it all right through the web. I might've done one way through the app. The reality of the matter is, is you go through a little bit of pain, but but afterwards it's actually not that bad. Yep.
1: Take the bandage off, make it happen. Although I didn't do that. I, I ended up having you book mine and, and actually we got to do another thing that we've never done before. We actually transferred thank you points, right? So I sent you like what, 90, almost 90,000 thank you points, right? For a round trip. Um, yeah. That yeah. was another interesting experience.
0: And I have to tell you that there is nothing more stressful than knowing that you've got an amount of thank you points in your account that are going to expire in ninety days. Right, like that's a good point. Seriously, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I'm sweating bullets. Like, because we is it ninety days or
1: is it one year? Is it that quick? Maybe I did. Maybe I misread what how how quickly those expire.
0: One year, ninety days. I mean, my gosh, they both just go by like that. I guess either way, it's still a burden. It's something where don't do it unless you've got a use for it, right? Like, exactly. A, and we did. Exactly. We and, did. Well, well, we did, but the space kept going back and forth, back and forth. That's we true. were like, okay, okay, are we going to go Sunday? Are we going to go Monday? We can go either day, but we just need the space. And we were very particular. Or I should say, somebody was very particular on the well, particular flights they wanted to fly. You know, this would be my at least third time flying Turkish. And if
1: I've been sitting in the same seat every single time, <laughs> and the fact that, you know, the ones we were looking, I think we were looking at a couple of different options. And the fact that there is an option, a 787 option with the brand new seat and we could make it work. I mean, that was a big deal for me. I'll be honest. Yes, you're right. I was being picky.
0: And you know something? Having flown it round trip now, I would have been picky too. And I totally understand. And I totally agree with you. So let's just map this out for our listeners here, right? So Turkish flies, I think three different cabins. They fly on the triple seven. It's a two three two configuration. I think it's probably most like. Would you say it's like the LAN?
1: Yeah, I feel like if you've flown LAN Latam at this point, business class on their seven eight sevens or their older product, or you know, Ethiopian is pretty similar as well. So if you and flown then it's Ethiopian. almost
0: like the cutter Q suites except that they have three in the middle versus two.
1: Right. I right. mean,
0: so it's it's no not You mean the non-cutter
1: Q suite? You mean the, the previous cutter business? Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the old cutter that I got stuck on in July of last year. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm over that, I swear. But essentially you've got a lay flat, but you've got to climb over your compatriot unless yep. you're the aisle No aisle you're access. You're getting climbed over. Not an amazing seat by any means, but there are more seats on so they usually have more space available. And then Turkish also has These almost unicorn A350s Mm -hmm. that uh, were supposed to go to Aeroflot, but because of the Ukraine stuff and all the other geopolitical things that uh, I don't even feign to try to understand, Turkish took these aircraft. And so they have the Aeroflot colors, but they've got a fairly unique seat. I think I read that the seat that they're flying on those A350s is actually, I think Aeroflot was the only one or, or was the launch client. I think they were the launch client for those particular seats. I don't know if they have doors, but they look, I'm trying to think, they look similar to kind of like what the LAN 767 has.
1: Or a I would imagine it's similar I, to
0: Delta One because, you know, they were, you know, kind of had that kind of Sky Team brand standard, right? Yeah. You know what? It, it probably looks like that as well. I don't want to feign any expertise on that. In fact, I yep, uh, haven't flown it. <laughs> <laughs> haven't seen it in person. Exactly. little sneak. We think we might be able to talk about that in a a couple of episodes. Don't want to uh, entice Don't don't cash any checks or what is it? Print any checks you can't cash, right? There you go. Don't want to do that. But we might have some firsthand experience on that one just in a couple of episodes here. But the final one is the 787. It's a staggered approach. It's not a reverse herringbone, but it's that staggered approach. What is, uh, do you know what that seat is called? Or do you know another airline that has that? that style seat that the 787... Oh, that's a great question.
1: I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of who has a similar kind of seat.
0: It almost reminds me of the Air France A350 seat is what I feel like, but I (sighs) haven't sat in the... Yeah, because they have that staggered approach where you got the in and the out sort of thing. We were
1: just talking about, you know, Delta. I mean, it's it's probably similar to Delta 1 except no
0: doors, you know, if you had to ask, you know. Yeah, I thought it was very roomy both times. I got the aisle side of the window not a lot of people like that. I found it worked really well. We'll talk more about that as we get to the flight, but why don't we dive in here? Uh, We're almost 11 minutes in here. So we talked a little bit about how we booked, right? So we booked using miles and smiles transferred from city thank you points. We specifically booked Newark to Istanbul because they fly that 7879, which is just a simply fantastic product. Obviously we live in the DC area. You want to talk about how you booked us to get up to Newark?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we had to position a lot of options here. And quite honestly, I think, you know, with some hindsight, we might make a different choice. But with the information we had before the trip, we decided let's do Amtrak. So I happen to have uh, an Amtrak guest rewards account with some points that have been sitting there for I don't know how long, since about as long as Amtrak left the Chase Ultimate Rewards Program, which uh, dates that they're, those have been sitting there a long time. They're they're quite vintage.
0: Kind of tells you how long we've been in this game, huh? <laughs>
1: I guess so. So I was like, you know, I never use these things. Let me go ahead and use them here, which was great. I think we, I think I spent like maybe 3,000, maybe 4,000 Amtrak points to get both of us on the Northeast Regional from the BWI airport station to Newark directly and in just coach class, which was, ended up being fine. I think we had to sit next to some people for a little while, but by the time I think we got to Wilmington on that train, we both had a kind of a row of seats to ourselves.
0: Yeah, I found it to be really comfortable. This was our second time flying, training up on the Northeast Regional, and I think it works fine. It's uh, what two to two and a half hours, no delays either time. I'm going to knock on wood here <laughs> because that was uh, that was pretty good, you know, back to back there. And you know, you get there. I think we had what a four thirty, and we got there by seven o'clock. Yep, yep, nice, easy. Get you there, and the logic I think of the timing that we had was, is that we wanted to get to the Polaris Lounge. Yep, this was where we started a rather unique experience here. So the Polaris Lounge closes, I think, nine thirty or ten o'clock. I think they say it's nine thirty, but they kick you out at ten.
1: Yeah, I don't think we realized how complicated Newark was. I mean, I think let's just say that this was. I don't think we've ever had as much difficulty entering an airport terminal. As we have here, I think I can definitely vouch for both of us. This must be our most, what do you call it, difficult entry into an international terminal that we've ever had.
0: Yeah, I think that's an understatement. I, I think that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are, we arrive on the train. We take the air train, uh, what is it, Terminal C. We've got our e-boarding passes with Turkish. So our Turkish flight leaves at 1230. So they're not even open for uh, check-in until 8 or 8.20. Right, it's twelve twenty, so eight twenty. They open four hours, which is more than some airlines. So give them credit there. But we were able to get e boarding passes, and so we go right to sea, figuring we're going to go to a Polaris Lounge. We're going to, you know, have a nice sit down meal. We have plenty of time. You, you know, they have a nice uh, still rosé there that I happen to enjoy, and you know, they have plenty of diet coke for. Uh, At this
1: point, blissfully ignorant of what's about to happen.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so first, we got to clear over in the pre check area. They say no and we're confused. And then we go into the regular TSA pre and he tries scanning and he's like, Yeah, you need a paper boarding pass. And I'm like, What's so different about this versus a paper boarding pass? And he's like, You need a paper boarding pass. So at this point, now we've been rejected twice. You know, for premium flyers such as us, I mean, this is very uncommon. And I think back to as we were awaiting boarding the Northeast Regional, I said to TK, I looked and I said, hey, I see two seats for 80,000 points per person on the 10 p.m. United to London. Should I book this just to give us, you know, a little belt and suspenders to make sure we can get it in the Polaris Lounge without any issue? What did you say? I said,
1: oh, shouldn't need it. We've got actual boarding passes here, you know, and I personally, you know, wouldn't want to have like some orphan United miles sitting in my account just to get into the Polaris Lounge. So I was like, yeah,
0: we don't need that. We don't need no stinking boarding passes for London. Such innocence, such naivety. We, well, uh, you know, right, we, you know, we, we,
1: we didn't know what we were up for here. You know, it was really a rude awakening to realize how kind of, you know, restrictive the Newark security is. They really, if you don't have a, if, you know, if it's not united, you know, you're not going
0: in, basically is what they're saying in Terminal C. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Unless it's a paper boarding pass, as yeah. we learn. And so here we are. And I'm like, okay, what's left? Is the United to London available? Nope, that's like 300,000 now. Okay, anything else that United has? I made a goofball mistake. I see Munich and I'm like, oh, okay, Munich. Let me get that. So I transfer my ultimate rewards points to the tune of like (laughs) 140,000 points over to United. And I book it knowing that I can cancel it, no problem, right? Only to find when I try to check in at the little kiosk, oh no, that an operated by Lufthansa. Normally, I would have caught that. Normally, you would have caught that. But we had faced so much rejection that we were just like, I mean, we even before we did that, we even tried to go to the non-TSA pre line to get in.
1: I was going to remind you that we we had tried three times before your ill-fated booking experience with Munich.
0: And while we were online for the non-TSA pre, I even had the clear people try to scan my boarding pass. So that's like four rejections. And then we bought that United flight, which was really operated on Lufthansa. And I go to the United person. I'm like, is there any way you can just, I mean, like you guys are like this, right? You guys are like, you know, besties. And they're like, yeah, no, you got to go to Lufthansa. I'm like, oh, I mean, this you knew not. the answer. Come on. It's Newark. The- it's I- United.
1: Yeah, you think they're going to be able to do something for you? Come on. Come on, friend.
0: I thought maybe I just had just enough in me to social engineer some sort of miracle. Mm. Oh, gosh. And so here we are. We're like, okay, we are starting to run out of options. Yes. I canceled the United flight. I canceled the United flight. And we hop on the air train back to B. That's where the Turkish desk is. We go to the Turkish desk. There's nobody there except there's people there, but there's nobody waiting. I think, hey, maybe they opened up early. This is the break we need. This is it. We get up there and they walk over and they're like, hey, we don't start until four hours. That's the rules. I'm like, even for business class? I mean, at this point, I'm almost like begging, but not begging, but like hoping. And they're like, even for business class. And they kind of give us the, you know, they try to let us down, you know, easy.
1: At this point, I do remind Trevor, you know, there are these things called restaurants where we can get a meal that don't involve an airline lounge. You know, that you give them money and then sometimes they give you something you can eat, you know. But I don't think you're having any of it at this point. I think at this point, it's a crusade.
0: At this point, it's a crusade. But at this point, between the rejection, the amount of time it's been since we've had any sort of nourishment, at this point, I'm parched. I'm becoming hungry. Mm -hmm. I read the map, and I think we both read the map of newer Terminal B, which Mm -hmm. is like three little lollipops, or no, 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 three little banjos. That's the way I think you described it. So essentially, Terminal B has three different security checkpoints for each banjo of clusters of gates and so we walked to the one that ended up having spirit but we thought it was the other one and as we're going they look at our boarding pass and they're like yeah you don't want to go down here and i'm like are <laughs> wrong there any banjo lounges? wrong banjo and i said that's I, rejection
1: I, number four at this point i guess at a security five, point well oh, number five okay
0: yeah got yeah. it i did ask them i said are there any lounges and they just laughed at me <laughs> 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 and so we walk out. I'm like, okay, fine. That's it. I'm throwing the towel in. We'll wait until we can do the proper check in with Turkish. And we walk up to this bar, and the woman is like, we're closing. I'm like, can we just get one drink, please? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were beaten. We, we needed we somebody we to grant money. us a little bit of pity
1: from somebody. We needed some person in Newark to grant us a little bit of pity.
0: And thank God she did. Yeah, she said that, you know, one drink. That's it, one. And I was like, okay, fine, pour it tall, please. I had a rose. It, it comforted me. I know that. It killed a lot. few
1: minutes before the Turkish. And, you know, we didn't have to wait that long. I think it was only, what, maybe 40 minutes or so? Well, for, was like for, for, for Turkish.
0: Turkish. By the time we yeah, had uh, yeah. sat down, it was like 20 minutes. And By geez. our last rejection, it yeah. was uh, <laughs> only like 15, 20 minutes. Yes, And so, you know, I have this gargantuan glass of rosé that costs about $16, 17 You had your Diet Coke.
1: A bargain by Newark Airport standards, I'm sure.
0: You know, hey, man, Sutter Home is, you know, expensive <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> HMS Host thanks you for your business. I'll never forget them, but I get that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> so we meander back and and we're first in line for checking in for Turkish on the it, was it a red carpet or a purple carpet? I think it was a red carpet. We're standing on the red carpet, and they walk over and they're like, "Okay, we're ready. Here we go. Here's our boarding pass you know here's our passports. we get boarding passes. It felt like the most smooth check- in I've ever had
1: and then we're off to the races. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Here we are, now going right back for the air train.
1: Of which we've had a lot of experience at this point, by the way.
0: Yes, yes, we are experts on the air train. In fact, yes. we're giving other people directions on the air train Yes. At this point, even yes. though they have the red coats or whatever the coats, you know, the vests that they have there. And we get down there, the air train. Of course, pre-check, whether it was clear or TSA, is closed. Now mm. we must trug it over to the non-pre-check. Thankfully, we're familiar with this area because we'd been rejected there before.
1: <laughs> the layout some, was fresh in our minds.
0: It was. The clear folks refused to let us in, and so we were stuck with the regular TSA non pre. Thankfully, they let us keep our shoes on. A small, small, small victory. And for some we, reason I got
1: through there faster than you. I don't I don't even know how. Like, wait, did you have like water in your No no no, that was somewhere else. You, no, they what, held. How did you get back for something? something? They held me yeah. back for something, and I can't remember what it was. Yeah, they held you back for some reason. Then you were like, "Go to the lounge. Go to the
0: <laughs> lounge. It's left, and then on the right." <laughs> like giving you directions. <laughs> they finally clear me. I don't even throw my bag on the proper place. I just throw the backpack on my back. And
1: <laughs> I think we did have less than ten minutes before they were going to close the dining area, right? I think this, that's that's why we, we were, were such like a one of the last.
0: We were one of the last eatings. And so it worked out beautifully. It worked out beautifully for a poor situation. We sat down and we had our Polaris burgers. I had a wonderful squash soup, which I just, like, I can't say enough about that. I mean, you don't really find these dishes that are just so good that you're like scooping it out until the last morsel. And uh, I feel like we had
1: that at my first Polaris visit. I feel like we had, did they have like some sort of uh, vegetable corn
0: chowder that was, oh, it was a corn chowder. Okay. uh, Never mind. Sorry.
1: Yeah, what? Corn is a vegetable? It was a good dinner. It was much better than what I would have settled for at whatever international lounge we would have had in Terminal B, which w- was probably going to be not anywhere near as good.
0: I mean, we saw that, but let's not jump there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, But, you know,
1: like yeah, it was okay. Although I will say it was not as good as the Dulles Polaris for whatever reason. No, that Dulles
0: lounge is, is tops, I, tops.
1: I give the Dulles Polaris. And again, I, not that I've got these like major data points of like, oh, I've got to Polaris all the time. No. But, you know, just comparing my two data points of Polaris lounges, I'd say that the Dulles one was just slightly nicer. Although we had a great
0: server. I've been to three. Great mm -hmm. server forgot our drinks the first time. Did forget our drinks, though. Well, a great server that was trying to handle,
1: I think, the whole dining room
0: by themselves. That's true. So we closed that meal Probably part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We closed that meal out with a cookie, with the ice cream. Good. Not as good as Dulles.
1: Not as good as Dulles. Dulles has a better cookie with ice cream.
0: And alas, we had to make our way to Terminal B. Now, the nice thing about Newark is that you can do that Terminal C to Terminal B airside on a little bus. And so we take this bus and we make it to Terminal B. We even made some friends on the way, didn't we?
1: Yeah, you were kind of the knight in shining armor there helping out a lady that were part of a couple. Some uh, little bit more aged couple that was following us from the Polaris Lounge to happened to be on our same flight.
0: Yeah, they were a retiree couple. The husband just grabs his bag and just starts walking up. And she sort yep. of looks, the wife looks at him. And I'm like, I'm like, here, I'll just grab this for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the downside is, you know, getting into Terminal B, it's a couple flights of stairs, right? There's no elevator or anything. And any I had done
0: that my daughter's first trip. We went to Porto, Portugal, and we did the exact same thing that you and I did this mm-hmm. time, except that we got the boarding passes from TAP, and then we went to the Polaris Lounge. We weren't on that same time crunch, and I dragged everything. I mean, we had a car seat. We had a stroller. We had, like, two roller boards, backpack, diaper bag, and the daughter <laughs> – and and so like I did like two or three trips up and I get like admonished by the uh,
1: – I feel like, like I have the same experience in JFK with like the Jitney bus or in Terminal 4 or some of the other, you know, LaGuardia gates and things like that. I mean going upstairs with your luggage is, you know, kind of at this point de rigueur for like a, a New York airport where, you know, they haven't quite figured out new construction for terminals and connecting things airside
0: side. As if elevators are like just, you know, brand new technology.
1: I wonder how they can – you know, the Americans with Disabilities Act feels about all of this.
0: Oh, those people can just take the air train and go through security again. <laughs> oh, gosh. I guess so. So we get to – what was it? The SAS Lounge?
1: Was that it? That's right. It, is the, it was the SAS Lounge. I think that was the only one that was open, I guess. And even then, yeah. we were only there for a few minutes, right? Because
0: oh, they closed. They kicked, they the
1: closed. They kicked they us closed out at like,
0: uh, 11? I think they closed yeah. at 11. Yeah. So, so that, you know – Seems of to day. be a
1: theme when I trip when we do these guys trip we close down things right whether it be lounges or bars that that just seems to be the common thing I I don't usually do that by myself but you know when I'm traveling with Trevor you know we're closing down bars we're closing down lounges that's pretty much what we do it's how we roll it's how we that's roll how we again. roll yes it is
0: yeah so I think that was like what two diet cokes two uh, whatever uh, it was like a chardonnay or a sauvignon blanc for me and you know a restroom trip and then suddenly we were released into the masses oh my god released to the masses
1: the lovely gate waiting area that is newark terminal b and it was about uh, as pleasant as it sounds
0: (laughs) the cluster of the banjo yes Uh, what part of the banjo is that
1: oh i don't know it's the end
0: or the base we'll call it the the banjo
1: it's probably the yeah i don't know i forget already (sighs) i I will get on board Yeah, I will say, you know, just really quickly, you know, had we to do this over again, I think we probably should have done a United repositioning flight to Newark, because then we'd be behind security, we'd be airside. And we probably would be a lot more golden when it came to and not have to do all the shenanigans of being rejected like five times by security. And I think that's probably what that other older couple probably did was they probably flew in on United and didn't have, I guess, any problems. They were flying on the same
0: Turkish flight we were, so. And they were complaining about the Polaris Lounge. I was like, you have no idea how hard we work (laughs) to get in here. Like, literally, we're complaining about the Polaris Lounge. Like, ah, that lounge sucked. I was like, what are you used to? Like, the Lufthansa first? I mean, yeah, if that's the case, yeah, yeah, that'll suck. (laughs) They didn't didn't even sit down for dinner,
1: though. They were just kind of sitting in the bar area, I thought.
0: Ah, they missed out. They missed out. I mean, that Polaris burger is not amazing, but gosh, it is what you need for, especially considering the venue on the flight. So let's get yep. to that. So we get on the flight. They had pre-departure beverages. They had pre-departure champagne. And it wasn't just pre-departure champagne. It was good. I know you didn't partake of it, but it was tattent-
1: I had a raspberry drink. You know, I had one. You know, they offered us four different choices. I think it was water, lemonade, raspberry drink, and champagne.
0: No, they didn't even have the champagne on the on the tray. They had like a – Oh, they didn't? A- oh, they had yeah. – I thought I they had, had four And the then they brought it back. Oh, you asked were,
1: for the champagne. Okay. Champagne
0: I, was the fifth option. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there you go. You got to advocate for yourself, as I've learned. Well, you know,
1: let's just say some people have some things they're looking for. You know, I probably would advocate for Diet Coke, but I didn't need one at that exact moment. Some people need a different sparkling beverage. That would And be there's great. nothing wrong
0: with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> No, but the thing that surprised me the most about that was, was I mean, Turkish is sell, is serving probably one of the better, I'll say mid, mid-tier mid champagnes. You know, when I say mid-tier champagne, I mean, you, you know, you're talking about the equivalent of a Moet Chandon Imperial, right? Or a Veuve Clicquot. Tattinger is a little bit more costly. I don't know if that's just our local area, but I mean, you're talking about a, you know, retail a $50 to $65 bottle. That
1: sounds like a reasonably nice champagne.
0: I mean, that's better than what you're going to see on the U.S. carriers. I I Well, that's
1: probably not a particularly high bar for you to be comparing against.
0: It's better than the European carriers too. I mean, we're not talking about like Eva or Cathay Pacific. Actually, even in their business class cabin, they they probably don't even serve, you know, the amazing stuff. I mean, Emirates. Emirates will serve Moet Chandon or Veuve Clicquot in their business class cabin. You know, that's almost like the gold standard, I'd say, for business class. And so, okay, for
1: the rest of us who don't care that much about this, the business class cabin was very nice. It was the seven eight seven again. we talked a little about the seat earlier. very comfortable seats. They did come around and give us amenity kits. We had slippers, very nice slippers and a little and a little bag for your for your shoes and we also got our orders taken by the onboard chef.
0: yeah, chef was great. chef was great. They had two blankets by the way, they had you know kind of the throw blanket and then the sleeping blanket, which I thought was mm-hmm. very nice and the meal, I thought was a little less than. Amazing. I was disappointed by the meal. No beef. No beef beef option. Chicken, a fish. I think you had the fish.
1: It would be hard to call that fish. I felt more like maybe foam, you know, maybe, you know, (laughs) some sort of a plastic, uh, you know, dog toy, perhaps, you know? Yeah, I think it was supposed to be Red Snapper, but that would be hard. I think if somebody did some DNA analysis on that fish, it might come back as, you know, artificial.
0: So... uh, Essentially, the meal, I think we both agree, was, was less than amazing. The one thing I will note, and I didn't realize it at the time, which was on me, totally on me, the nuts included hazelnuts. Now, I think I've shared in the past on the on the pod, I do have an allergy. I ate all the peanuts that I could get out of that nut jar because I saw the menu and I was just like, I need to get whatever nutrition I can get out of this. Turns out after dessert, I wasn't feeling so good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that contact transfer it was able to avert having the need for an EpiPen, but definitely something to note that because you don't see that on a lot of airlines, right? A lot of airlines aren't serving yes. hazelnuts in their nut dishes. Usually, Of course, Turkey are. is
1: like the number one producer of hazelnuts in the world.
0: <laughs> well, it makes a whole lot of sense when you tell me now. <laughs> but yeah, just something to keep in the back of your head. The other thing that I found from a meal perspective was the pre-arrival meal, which is I mean, it's always weird when you're arriving at like 5 p.m. in the evening and they're serving you breakfast, but the fruit was amazing. The fruit was like the freshest.
1: It was expertly presented. It was very beautiful. It was kind of a work of art.
0: And it was just a perfect amount of freshness. And then I'm trying to remember whether it was the way out or the way in, but they had like a pancake or something that was just like really wonderful. I mean, like this was artisanal breakfast at its finest. I-, I thought
1: breakfast was much better than the meal out. And it's interesting. The meal out, I think, was kind of a supper service. They definitely tried to make it shorter. I know one of the things that Turkish seems to do on their normal mealtime flights is they'll have carts to come out with all your options for the appetizer and all your options for dessert kind of presented to you and then you just pick what you want. They didn't do that on this nighttime flight that left at 1 a.m., but for whatever reason, the pace of service was still extraordinarily slow. You know, I think we didn't actually finish up dinner like at least two hours after takeoff, which considering that it was the curtailed service was really odd.
0: Yeah, I got through a movie. movie. I think I got
1: through a movie too before meal
0: service was done. Yeah. Oh, it was unfortunate. Yeah. Okay. So needless to say, flight overall. I mean, I got five, six hours of sleep that night. I did too.
1: I I got a pretty good night's sleep, I thought. We did pretty well. And of course, you know, running through the airport with you tends to tire one out, you know, especially, you know, in the crusade, you know, as a crusader for Polaris.
0: Polaris, yeah.
1: Yes. The Knights Templar Polaris, you know, you get a little tired and, you know, you need a little bit of a nap after that crusade.
0: Oh, yes. Okay. So what do we do? We get to Customs. We get through customs. I ended up getting an Uber. You can use Uber. It's the normal taxis. I probably splurged a little bit because I get the van. It was comfortable. It
1: was fancy. It was fancy. We had probably say the amount of cubic foot space that we had in the vehicle for each of us was... It Tremendous. was a little bit much. It was probably yeah. too much.
0: I mean, it was yeah. not like it was double the price of just a regular cab. But I mean, you know, we'd just flown in business class. I just, you know, I felt like we wanted to be comfortable as we, you know, roll. Sometimes up you need to be a little.
1: You know, sometimes you need, you know, a little bling bling. You'd be a little something special.
0: You I know? mean. If It felt appropriate considering, as you told me after the fact, that uh, Salt Bay, world-renowned Salt Bay, owns the Park Hyatt Istanbul.
1: That was a surprise when we got there. I mean, it's like not only did the front desk person tell us that, you know, it's enshrined in in a beautiful plaque with the history of the hotel.
0: It's a mural. Let's be honest. This is a mural. It's like a multi-plate mural. It's
1: Smithsonian quality, I would say. It's Smithsonian quality.
0: So checking in at the Park Hyatt, how would you describe the gentleman, the the very kind gentleman that –
1: I think we decided it was the Turkish version of your brother, right? It's Turkish Sean.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Couldn't have uh, coded it better. No, my brother won't listen to this podcast, I don't think. I never commented in the past. We'll never know whether or not he takes offense by – knowing that there's a Turkish version of him. But, uh, All I
1: know is I got, a, I got a good chuckle out of you when I, when I said that. You, you oh, enjoyed yeah. that comment, like way really t-
0: too much. <laughs> because it was so true. It was just so true. <laughs> and so checking in, you had used a sweet upgrade. We both used our FHR credit. So uh, mm-hmm. it was, uh, what, $300 or $330 for the room. Both used our American Express Platinum FHR with the $200 credit that we hadn't used yet, right? Mm-hmm. And so, both of our net cost was like 140, and then they give you a hundred dollars property credit. Which, lo and behold, little did we know, this was going to be challenging to use.
1: <laughs> Don't worry, we you, the you way. You would not think this would be a problem at a Park Hyatt, you know, but it turned out it was a lot more challenging. I actually might have had just a smidge left over on my credit, to be completely honest. Oh, I should have had another drink. You should.
0: <laughs> should have had a diet coke.
1: Should have had a diet coke. <laughs>
0: There you go. You left one on the table. So you want to talk a little bit about your room, real briefly? Yeah, I
1: mean, you know, I got a park suite, and I thought I was very happy with my room. I mean, the one thing I would say about it is, it definitely was very similar to a park suite that I might have had at the Park Hyatt DC or the Park Hyatt. I don't know, pick any city, and it definitely had that kind of that wood panel, you know style that, that, that you see. It's kind of the standard international, you know, Park Hyatt brand type of styling, which probably the only thing that really kind of made it a little bit different was kind of some of the chandelier and some of the other kind of architectural features in the room, as well as there was a Turkish kind of steam sauna in the shower room. So that was the other kind of unique thing. And I had like three sinks in the bathroom for some reason. That was the other oddness of that room. But
0: could the third sink nice. for washing your feet?
1: I think I had one in the kind of toilet area, one for drinking water, and then I think I had one just regular. So there was one that said, specially set up, I guess, unfiltered for if you needed to like use drinking water. I think that's why there was another separate sink there.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And I didn't use a suite upgrade. And I yeah. got—I thought I got the better room, to be honest with you. I had a Park King, but it was kind of like a special, it was like the Hammam Park King.
1: I think I might have had slightly more square footage, but your room was also very nice. And it actually had more character, I would say. It definitely was not a room that I would expect to have seen at the Park Hyatt in D.C. or the Park Hyatt in Abu Dhabi or the Park Hyatt in, I don't know, Chicago.
0: Oh, yeah. Had a beautiful arch that kind of, you know, was hearkening back to the architecture of this particular hotel. Had a beautiful, I mean, almost had the spa area, right? So, it had like
1: a decorative glass wall for your bathroom.
0: It did, yeah. So you walk in and you've got... A tub, a beautiful big tub, just freestanding. You know, they got the TV. Nobody cares about the TV. They got a nice little marble area for, you know, you know, if you wanted to wash your feet. Obviously, that's a big deal for Muslims. They, they wash themselves prior to frequent prayers. I say frequent. I think they, you know, it's not just the one and once a week like I think Catholics do. <laughs> it's much more frequent. And so they did have a special sink. To wash feet, to wash your hands, that sort of thing, which I thought was nice. We had a little separate steam room. It wasn't like your steam room because they didn't have a faucet in it. I had a steam room and then I had a separate shower. Unfortunately, the shower sort of flooded the whole area, which was kind of an interesting experience. But nobody seemed to flinch at that one. And they gave plenty of towels. So ultimately, I, I you know, both of us had wonderful rooms. If I was going back, I'd be asking for the room I had. It was close to the elevator. It was I thought it was just about as good as it uh, gets to not have.
1: And they had quite a few of them. I think when I, mean, I looked at the floor plan, they had at least, what, four or six of those type styled rooms in that on that floor that we were staying on, at least. And so my guess would be that, you know, that's probably a reasonable upgrade to expect at the Park Hyatt in uh, Istanbul. And yeah, it probably isn't worth the, uh, I mean, I had, mine were expiring anyway. They're expiring at the end of February. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to use these anyway. But if you were trying to conserve your suite upgrades, I probably wouldn't have bothered at that, especially because not only were you expecting a, a, an upgrade as a globalist, but you know you were getting a kind of an upgrade as a MXFHR as well. So your chances oh. of, of getting a slightly nicer category room were pretty high.
0: And Turkish Sean was just like apologetic to me. And I, I saw him later. I'm like, dude, this is like a great room. I don't know why you were apologizing. <laughs> like this is wonderful. He tucked up the room though. He he said he,
1: he uh, you room, know, he tucked up the room. He said that you would like it. And I think he was correct.
0: Oh, I told him as much. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, of course, then we go down. So they give you a free coffee. Now it's what? Seven o'clock at night. Seven, eight o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Let's have a cappuccino. So we took a walk around. We went over to look at the menu at Nashra Nasra et: Nurette
1: or nurse, nurse uh, I can't even pronounce it correctly.
0: Salt Bay's restaurant.: Yeah, Salt Bay's restaurant, which was attached to the, to the park Hyatt, didn't seem our vibe. Uh, looked at the menu, looked around, it just didn't work for us, so we:'t It, didn't, it didn't really
1: have the kind of atmosphere that you would think for, you know, when you think of a Salt Bay restaurant, you're going and you're thinking, maybe it's kind of chic modern, you know, steakhousey kind of place. This was kind of like a Victorian tea room.
0: It felt stuffy. Yeah, it
1: well, it was hot in there too, but that <laughs> <laughs>
0: that too, that too.
1: we'll get to that in a minute.
0: So we go to this uh, coffee shop that they had attached, get to it either outside or via the uh, exercise uh, uh, gym. And I think we had just wonderful cappuccinos. I was actually really impressed with the cappuccinos. Yeah, as
1: far as complimentary coffees go, it was really nice. Yeah,
0: as far as ones you pay for, I mean, it felt really nice.
1: Even ones you pay for, it was pretty nice, yeah.
0: So we, uh, we finished that, and this hotel has Salt Bay's restaurant, and then they have a Greek restaurant, and then they have a bar and a coffee shop. We attempted to go everywhere. We tried the We, salt we looked
1: at every single option available to us.
0: We absolutely for dinner. did. So we go to the Greek, and they had one non fish dish on the entire menu. Yes. Hard pass.
1: <laughs> Once again, I would have been fine, but I understand some other people have dietary restrictions.
0: Exactly. So here we are, we settle up against a hotel bar, which is like, you know, kind of an island in the middle of the lobby.
1: It seems like an afterthought. I mean, quite honestly, like they probably are, we were probably the only ones who ate at that bar
0: that whole week. (laughs) It certainly felt like it. I mean, gosh, we finished at least one of their bottles of gin. We did. They had to go to the store
1: to get another one. But, you know, I guess, you know, I don't know if it's the currency or whatever, but, you know, the, quite honestly, the prices at that lobby bar were not ridiculous. that, You know, usually you think you're going to go to a park Hyatt and, you know, you, you, things are going to be like $30 for a drink and $50 for a menu item. And that's not what we experienced.
0: You're exactly right. So when we were there, I think it was 29 or 30 lira to a dollar. And I think the drink that we were generally drinking, or at least the one I was drinking, was a gin drink, and it was 440 lira. So, I mean, you're talking, what, less than $15 a drink. I mean, I know that sounds a lot, you know, compared to a lot of places. But Compared to
1: the HMS Host Bar at Newark, you mean? Cheaper than that. That's right, exactly. I would say the airport bar was more expensive than this Park Hyatt bar.
0: It was. It truly was. And so, I think, I don't know, I found we probably drank more than we needed to. We had... I thought, really wonderful food. We we had ordered, uh, they had some nice steak uh fillet, not tablets, uh, uh medallions. Medallions. And they were just wonderful. I thought they, you know, the flavor was right. The cooking was right. In fact, the bartender, I had said, hey, I want, you know, my medium rare. He looks at me and he's like, try rare. I think you'll like it that way. And I went with him and he was totally right. I mean, it was what I would say al dente. I mean, if it was pasta. <laughs> it was just very well done fries well done i think you had we, we a good, had a good
1: meal. meal i mean i think yeah. considering the options that we had that was probably the right choice basically had the room service menu i think is what we were basically ordering off of
0: yeah but we had them making our drinks in front of us and we certainly had plenty of them we closed them down and we still had money to burn uh, the following day <laughs> <laughs> enough to cover lunch the next day yes not only lunch, but drinks to go. And in fact, yes. <laughs> we've gotten a drink to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably had one more. So, you know, of course, between the two of us, we had $200 of hotel credit to utilize. And, you know, we thought that shouldn't be a problem at a, at a normal ho- – it probably wouldn't have been a problem at that Greek place. But unfortunately, they only had fish. So that wasn't going to work.
0: You know, and I was really hoping for like a gyro or a yarrow, however you pronounce it appropriately. You'd think they'd
1: have some kind of lamb dish for you or so, something that would work for you, but that, strangely enough, not, there were really no land options at that restaurant.
0: No, it was definitely a seafarer's delight. Although I'm a seafarer, I just don't like eating, drink, eating food from the sea. Anyway, so at this point, our trip had been closing one bar and two lounges. We closed our second bar yes. at, at the Park Hyatt, our first night in Turkey. The next morning, two and two
1: so far for those keeping track.
0: Yes, two and two. The next morning we end up going up. So they serve breakfast at the Park Hyatt at Nusra at restaurant Salt Bay's restaurant. Wonderful, but a little bit different than uh, a lot of the Park Hyatts that I'm used to. What were your thoughts on that? I thought the breakfast was
1: very nice. I thought the service was good. My biggest problem was just the temperature in there. For whatever reason, the heating in there was. It had got to be like 80 degrees or something in there. It was very – it was kind of intolerable unless somebody opened the door that happened to be next to us and and let a little bit of a cool breeze in.
0: And and I intentionally wanted to be closer to a window because like the first table that they had tried to seat us at was like – it felt like it was right under the blower. Like, you didn't seem terribly concerned. I was like, holy crap, this is warm for me. And yeah. like, you got to be like, really? You were
1: right, by the way. I mean, I was kind of dying in there a little bit. Uh, so that was probably the only one negative. Otherwise, everything else was great. I mean, as a breakfast restaurant, it seemed great. I don't know about, you know, high-end steakhouse. But, you know, as a breakfast restaurant, I thought they had reasonably nice things in there. I think, I, I think we ordered some a la carte egg dishes. Like, I think I got the, the eggs benedict. I didn't particularly like it. But,
0: yeah, you, you know. You- we're kind of disappointed with it. And there there was no steak and eggs option.
1: There was no steak and there, – there was strangely enough. You're right. For a steakhouse, you'd think you'd have some beef on the menu. I don't think there – well, I think there might have been like beef bacon or something.
0: I feel like – and maybe this is just a gross overgeneralization. But I feel like over the last few years, like maybe in 21 you could get a steak and eggs. But nowadays for a free breakfast, whether it's Park Hyatt, Grand Hyatt, you know, any of these restaurants – Or uh, you know associated with the free breakfast of hotels i just don't feel like they're doing the steak and eggs anymore and it's really unfortunate i mean it's it's
1: yeah i mean you know things cost more it's a more expensive thing to be giving people
0: away than it used to be i know it's just a shame to see them go i had some wonderful french toast i thought the french toast was wonderful so good that i ended up getting a second and they had no problem doing that you know When I first started staying at these types of restaurants, you know, types of hotels that, you you know, you have the sit down with the, you know, a la carte and all that other stuff. I used to get nervous. And in fact, in some park hires, even in the U.S., you know, they say, oh, you can do up to like $60 or up to $100, et cetera. This breakfast, whatever you want. Get your buffet. You, You want a la carte, have an a la carte dish. You want a second a la carte dish, fine. You want some more juice. You want another cappuccino. I mean, I felt like this was one of those all-you-can-eat type experiences. You know, while they didn't have the steak and eggs experience, I felt other than that, they created a luxurious experience other than the temperature of the place.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the the one thing that I'm I'm wondering about is – You know, you kind of think back to like the the Park Hyatt DC and like Blue Duck Tavern, right? And that's kind of wondering if that's what you're kind of channeling there, where that's a restaurant that people actually pay money to have breakfast outside of the hotel, right? You know, like people would actually go there and not even staying at that place at one point. And maybe that's not so much the case nowadays. And it definitely would make sense because the quality of that breakfast has declined since probably the heyday, you know, when it was a Michelin-starred
0: restaurant. But I've also had that experience at the Andaz Hollywood or West Hollywood too. I mean, so it's not unique to the the Park Hyatt Blue Duck Tavern. But I think you know you're right. I've heard the same thing being said for the Park Hyatt New York, although I haven't been there.
1: I just think that's the Park Hyatt because of our you know proximity to it and how often we go there and, and enjoy the breakfast there. And that's we have what the I've most heard data points. That, yeah, yeah. No, that's so true. I, so true. we've been able to to recognize the change over the years.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. So after the breakfast, y- you indulged me on something.
1: There was a lot of indulging going on.
0: <laughs> there was a lot of indulging on <laughs> in this trip. I thought I, planned a pretty, I thought I planned a pretty fun trip.
1: You, you know, I say that I humored you on a lot of things. And honestly, that was to my benefit because I actually reaped some rewards from indulging you on a number of occasions. I enjoyed a lot of things because you actually directed a lot of things on this, which I was fine to let you do. And, you know, that's just the kind of person I am. You know, like if somebody really wants to do something, you know, I'm not going to stand in your way.
0: So the first thing that he, that you indulged me on was a haircut. So multiple friends of ours, Tim Pressman of Friend Rings Caddy, I think is his Twitter handle and Pat and Mike regularly go to Turkey, both recommended a haircut because it's not your normal Italian barber haircut. I mean, obviously it's a Turkish barber. So we went to Pat and Mike's preferred place. And we got haircuts. I got a shave. And I thought it was a pretty interesting experience. They do the haircut. I'd share a photo, but I don't really think we want to associate it with the podcast. They're trying to explain it well, right? So they also burn all the ear hair out of your ears. It's not painful. They
1: burned your ear hair. I went ear hair burning free. Oh, there you go. I did not partake in the, although I think my ears tend to be a little bit less bushy maybe.
0: And mine aren't that terribly bad. I was hoping for the nose wax waxing. (laughs) They didn't do that. Instead, they just... I didn't indulge uh, in that either. (laughs) And then they gave me a nice shave. And the fun part, the one concern I had, I know this sounds like really lame, but the concern I had is, you know, it's like midday. It's like 1130. I'm getting a haircut. Like normally, when I go to like my Italian barber, I get a haircut and I have to go home and I get a shower because like all the hair gets to like down in your hair in your shirt and it's like you know it's itchy, it's all that other stuff. They had a blow dryer like at every at every instance. It's like they cut hair, they blow it away. You know, cut hair, blow it away, and then they
1: gave me a shampoo and a blow dry. No, they which, did the same uh, thing for me. Yeah, yeah, okay, no, yeah.
0: They, 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 you know, at the end they did a full shampoo and blow dry. You know, I felt like I was walking out like Fabio. <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, and that was, what, 400 or so uh, lira? Was it? I think was it fine? was.
1: No, was it? I think mine was 400. I think yours was 600 because you had the shave.
0: Yeah, 600 lira. So, you know, what, $20? Like 20 bucks. I mean, that, that's I mean, 20 that bucks time. for that experience. I mean, I paid that yeah. much just to get a haircut.
1: And they spent a good, you know, like that was, you know, that was a lot of time in the chair, you know, where they were kind of nonstop, you
0: know, doing stuff to you. Not only that, they even had a Turkish tea for me. That's right. That was a little awkward. They poured their Turkish tea exceptionally hot so the barber was nice enough to hand me the Turkish tea after he, you know, mixed in the sugars. And it was so hot that I couldn't like, – I was like, no, 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 you got to take it. <laughs> it, yeah, was, I, it was a little embarrassing. I I, I, I saw I, that. I, I have no, That's why
1: I'm kind of glad I went with the, just the ice water. But uh, I also left – I had a nice haircut as well. I did leave with quite a bit of product in my hair, probably more than I would normally put. But, you know, it was definitely, you know, in place for a good couple hours that day.
0: <laughs> and you look like you have a little bit different hairstyle than you're normally uh, as as we're recording here. You got the like- Yeah. The well, part. that just might just be, that just
1: might be bed hair or something. But anyway, no product <laughs> in there today.
0: <laughs> yeah. I told him uh, no product. And then we had a nice walk back along the Bosporus. And then as I think we mentioned, we had a nice lunch at the Park Hyatt to, to burn through the last bit of our credit. It literally took all that. And then we moved over to the Grand Hyatt, right?
1: Our home away from home in Istanbul, apparently.
0: It certainly feels like it. I feel like I've I've spent now five nights at the Grand Hyatt.
1: I've spent more than you.
0: Tell us about your true home. I mean, they had the same suite. Yeah, yeah that's that
1: true. I, you know, I rarely do. I stay in the same room at the hotel. You know, when I come back. You know, I don't think this might be the only time that I've actually stayed in the exact same room that I was in 2021 when I was last at this hotel.
0: Right with the office uh, that you had to take your uh, COVID test in last time. Yeah, I did use a,
1: a globalist upgrade, and, and I got an, an executive suite at the Grand Hyatt that does have its own office, which is kind of nice, but completely unnecessary. <laughs> Along with you know a dining table for eight, and you know a lovely seating area, which we kind of used a little bit, and a wet bar, and all and all the other stuff. So. It's definitely a very large, grand suite, a lot of square footage, completely unnecessary. But strangely enough, this is the same suite I got upgraded to last time. And that last time was actually quite the challenge because I had confirmed a suite upgrade and they put me in a regular room to start off with. And I was like, I'm confused. I confirmed an upgrade and I have a king room. What happened to the suite I confirmed? And they realized their mistake and kind of did an extra upgrade, I think, to that executive suite. And... They knew, actually, the agent checking me in knew that I'd stayed in that suite before and said, oh, we have you in the same room again. I'm like, okay, no problem.
0: You know, and it's wonderful how you did that segue there because I had the exact experience that you had the last time, this time, where they said, oh, we have you in a nice, uh, nice king room. And I said, excuse me, I had a uh, suite upgrade that I had applied. And so she had to go in the back room to figure yeah. out what they were going to do. And That's so weird.
1: Up- that, that's happened twice now. Right, right? It, yes. it's so two different like trips. Fight for your upgrades at the Grand Hyatt. Uh, the, your confirmed suite upgrades, as a it matter, it's not even an upgrade that they're, you're, they're doing complimentary. It's like, you know, you have to turn in your instrument to do this, right?
0: Exactly. She came out apologetically and said, we got you a great view. And I'm like, okay, you know, I really don't often care about the view. And she escorts me. She like whips open the blinds and shows me, Oh, you She actually escorted Bosp- you into the room. Interesting. Oh, yes, she did. She escorted me into the room. She whips open the blinds to the Bosphorus. She's like, yeah, we really don't like that. And she points to the Ritz-Carlton, which is the only thing blocking the view. Everything, <laughs> else is just gorgeous. Everything else is just gorgeous. I mean, this room would have been a perfect room had I had the family with me. For me, it was just like a little overkill. But I mean, yeah, I wasn't okay. turning it down. They, they gave me a wonderful yep. bottle of white wine. And overall, I mean, I didn't use the sitting room at all. I, you know,
1: the interesting thing on this trip is for whatever reason, the previous couple times I've stayed at that Grand Height, I really didn't utilize too much of the public transit, right? And I think what we realized with this trip, because soon after checking in and, and for the next day after that and, and so forth, we actually made a pretty good use of our Turkish, what is it, transit car, did we not?
0: Oh, we did. We absolutely did. But so I had that a little bit after the next thing we did. Oh,
1: okay. Well, what is the next thing we did?
0: So we check in on the Istanbul. Oh, before we get any further. So just before a person who kind of escorted me to my room, she's like, you look like you need an hour nap. The lounge opens at six. Why don't you just take a rest? She's like, you need it. She points <laughs> to my eye or her eyes. I'm like, whoa, okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Thank you. She wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong, but very forward, a little bit forward communication style there. She was very forward.
0: Yeah. So so I think we both (laughs) rested and then regrouped in the lounge. You know, a lot of people comment, you know, you want to see the city, you want to explore the city, you know, don't eat meals in the lounge. We ended up eating our dinner in the lounge, which was wonderful, I thought.
1: I'll be honest. I lament a little bit that we didn't get to really enjoy too much of the cuisine of of Istanbul because of the lounge. But at the same time, you know, for this guy's trip, you know, I think – One of the things we love to do is, as you can probably tell, because, you know, you guys are listeners of this podcast, we like to chit chat. And, you know, that's a pretty big and, you know, doing it in a place where the food and the beverages are free flowing. And, you know, we have a quiet, pleasant place uh, to sit and, and kind of do our conversation, I think, is really great. And you don't want to miss that opportunity either.
0: I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And in fact, we continued our chit chatting down to the bar. And I think that was the, the fifth. Uh,
1: I don't think we closed down the bar. We definitely closed down the lounge each night, though. I think that would be fair to say. So we're probably at a we closed is it at 4-2 kind of count for those keeping track at home.
0: Pretty sure we closed down the bar that time.
1: Maybe we closed down the bar one of the times. Okay.
0: I mean, it closed at 2 a.m., and I'm pretty sure we made it to 2 a.m. the first night. We didn't make it to 2 a.m. the second no, night. No, we didn't do it the second night. Actually, the second night, we had the bottle of wine that we ended up hanging out in your grand suite finishing. Yeah, uh, anyway. I
1: th- I, we didn't make it to the second. I think we left a bottle of wine there. There was wine left on the table. It was red. But it was red.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, the first full day we had at the Grand Hyatt, I think we both had a, a nice breakfast and we had booked a hammam, which I think we'll get to in a moment. You wanted to rest, I think. We originally were going to take a walk down to Taksim. I think you ended up begging off and I ended up walking down to Taksim. And my golly, I walked all the way past the Russian embassy. It, it's a nice little kind of. Pedestrian street that seemed nice, nice little church. I would go back there when things were actually open because nothing was open when I, when I walked down there. But, you know, a nice little area that I didn't get the chance to explore the last time that we had been there. And then we regrouped and went to this hammam. It was on the same side. It wasn't in the old city. You no, know, a lot of the hammams are in the old city. This was a hammam that provided actually transfer, which I think was, was enticing to us because it just you know, removed one additional logistical piece. Why don't you describe the mom experience? I think you could probably do it better than I can.
1: Well, I mean, it was basically uh, adult car wash is what I called it, (laughs) if I remember correctly. So, you know, you get the uh, spin cycle and you get the foam and then they Simonize you. And then at the very end, you know, rub you down and, you know, try to get all it. Basically, you know, it was the adult equivalent of of going through the car wash, the deluxe car wash for that matter. But no, all joking aside, it was a very nice experience. It was basically a spa, but still had some nice touches. I mean, we were kind of in a nice hot room in kind of underneath kind of a Turkish dome with lots of, you know, old looking masonry around us. And we had some people, you know, basically, you know, sudsing us down, you know, exfoliating everything. And then we we relaxed in kind of an, an older kind of like brick room, drinking our Turkish tea. And then afterwards we had a had a nice back massage. So I think it was kind of a full experience of being basically showered, exfoliated, covered in soap suds and then, you know, massaged and basically leaving the place relaxed, cleaned, you know, with no dead skin.
0: And the thing that got me, I mean that massage was probably one of the best massages I've ever had, which is really surprising for me to say given the amount of massages I've had in in Asia, I mean, the Philippines massage I had, uh, uh, we talked about in like episode one, I mean, was just amazing.
1: They did a good job. And I'm not a massage guy. I don't like people touching me generally. But the people who were, you know, the ladies, I think they were Indonesian from Bali, they knew what they were doing.
0: Absolutely. And that hammam was, and I'm probably not going to pronounce it well, but it was Katma Mesk Meshit Istanbul Hammam. And it was, again, not on the old city side. It was on the same area of the city as uh, the Grand Hyatt, just a little bit closer to the old city. I mean, just the overall experience was was definitely something I wasn't prepared for. I mean, you know, you read about it and it's still a very different experience when they're exfoliating. You you know, you're literally laying on this warm marble and they're like dousing you with water and then exfoliating and then dousing you with all these bubbles and... (laughs) I mean, it's kind of a cool experience, but just very different than I think that, you know, we're accustomed to.
1: I was a little skeptical how much I would enjoy it. And, you know, I'll be honest, I also have very I kind of sensitive skin. So I sometimes wonder about what happens to that. But they they were very gentle. And, you know, it's not like they use particularly, uh, what do you call it, strong soap or anything like that. So I left not having any kind of, you know, negative reactions from from a skin perspective. So I was, I was just happy about that. But overall, again, I was kind of humoring you because this was one of the things that you you thought you wanted to do and i was like and kind of in the final analysis i enjoyed it it was a good experience and i think we ended up paying what like about about a hundred dollars i think is, is kind of the price point on average i think yours might have been a little bit more expensive than mine but pa- package i think you had a longer massage but
0: yeah i think, I think we ended up. i think yours was a 95 euro and mine was 120 euro yeah, or 125 yeah. euro something like that and i don't know that i could tell a difference because i think you ended only like a minute or two before me <laughs> and i was supposed to have like a 10 minute longer massage versus you but, uh,
1: maybe i just got the deal and, and they ended up giving me a longer massage for no
0: reason there you go maybe that's the angle <laughs> hacking
1: the hammam, hacking the hammam.
0: It's what we do. It's what we do. And then after the hammam, they delivered us back to the park or the Grand Hyatt, I should say. We were we were already downgraded from the park. <laughs> and then I think at that point we decided let's just knock out another one of the things that I had wanted to do. You had never done it before. I think the Grand yep. Bazaar. And so yep. we took a, we took a taxi out, which probably was the right call. I think. Yes. Because it, was, it ended up being pretty
1: cheap. Like, I think it only ended up being like a 5 or $7, maybe like 7 bucks or something from the hotel.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But Wander that uh, Grand Bazaar <laughs> found another Salt Bay restaurant.
1: <laughs> I think that was like, what is it? Was it only the second or third Salt Bay restaurant that we passed by at that point?
0: <laughs> I, it was the second one that we were considering eating at. That's true. That's true. That vibe I thought was better, but I think we still ended up deciding it was a little bit too pricey for what the vibe was.
1: You know, in retrospect, it might have been nice just to eat there, you know, because we True. just left. We didn't go to any Salt Bay restaurants, no, except for the breakfast, I guess, technically.
0: I guess it just didn't feel like what you see on Instagram, and I just felt like I wanted to replicate the Instagram experience. Oh, I don't come know, on. Maybe I was just vi- – what, vi- what are you
1: talking about here?
0: I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, salt know. Bay
1: wasn't coming out and, and dousing any any salt anywhere. I'm pretty sure there, that there, was there were no
0: to salt bay sightings. No, there there, were there was no, no salt, salt bay sightings. One day, one day,
1: I would say there's a reason why I hadn't been to the Grand Bazaar until then, and I think my suspicions were correct.
0: Yeah, I just like the thing that I think we missed, and I don't know if we just missed it or if it just doesn't exist, and I just like have it in my mind as like some fictional vision of what the Grand Bazaar looks like. I didn't see like the spices, you know, the buckets of there's spices. There's a spice market. There's a, there's a separate market for that, I think. Oh, I thought it was part of the Grand Bazaar.
1: No, I think there's a separate uh, – maybe we should have gone to the
0: spice market. <laughs> I mean, I know I saw the spice market was on the map, but I thought they did that at the Grand Bazaar as well.
1: I think they had some spices there, but I it was mostly Turkish anything. delight and jewelry and leather goods and things like that, which we had absolutely no interest in. It just didn't it
0: seem exciting. Stuff. Yeah. 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 So we entered our way out. I think we got some food somewhere. I don't know that it yeah, was. just a random, random cafe. Memorable. Yeah. A
1: random cafe. I had kind of had my fill of of walking around that point. I was like, you know what? I need to sit down and eat something.
0: And it's funny because we walked by two different places that had the donor or what, uh, like, like almost a kebab meat, you, mm-hmm. eat, you know, the kebab wraps. And they were both very well attended. And I was trying to convince you and you're like, I must sit down. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't. Blame yeah,
1: you. I wasn't having a, a you know a walking feast at that point. I, I I just I needed to sit down and and have a drink or something, and that's not what I was looking for at that exact moment.
0: Yeah, couldn't blame you. Couldn't blame you. But yeah, I think that was probably our biggest opportunity for like some kind of an interesting lunch, and I, you know we turned down Salt Bay, we turned down a couple of other things, and. And ended up just with some kind of, you know, random cafe. I thought yeah, I think wonderful. in the
1: future we're going to have to plan our meals a little bit better because I th- I think I that's agree. what I find. I think with our – but between the two of our, you know, requirements, I think we have to be a little bit more mindful about how we pick. Because I think just waiting for the random best option to just kind of like fall into our laps has turned out to be a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think we have a little bit of pickiness between the two of us. And, and I think between
1: the two of us, we have requirements, and, and it's very often that they do not get met if we just kind of randomly walk around.
0: No, that's true. But after that, we started our multimodal adventure, didn't we?
1: We did. We started, well, because it, we were thinking about just taking the taxi back to the hotel, but we oh. hopped in one, and, oh. and whoa, we were like, meter, please? Meter, please? And yeah, it was very clear that uh,
0: nope. He even used Google Translate. Brother, it took me three hours just to get here. I do fixed price for you. No, drop us off. We're done. (laughs) Yeah,
1: which was, I think, to our benefit because, you know, it forced us to take the tram, which was turned out, I mean, it was a little crowded getting on, but, you know, I think what it did was it kind of forced us to use some public transit, which we hadn't done, and I think turned out to be a blessing in disguise because then it kind of got us going to like, oh, we better try all these other ones while we have the opportunity.
0: No, it's so true. It, it just nudged us out of our comfort zone and, and suddenly we realized, hey, we can do this. Yes. And, and I
1: think it re- made us realize, you know, part of what makes Taksim a little bit confusing is there's so many modes of transportation right there, but they're not all the same. There's about five or six different ways to get to Taksim Square. And wouldn't you believe it? We tried all of them.
0: <laughs> all but one. All but one. We avoided the bus. We did. Oh, street- that's true. We didn't do the bus. We did a streetcar. We did a funicular. We did a cable car. While the ferry doesn't get exactly to Texium, we did a ferry as well. I feel like the only thing that we missed that was an option was the bus. Yep. And I don't think we were missing too much. I'm not sad about the bus. I mean, that that traffic just like a taxi. So, and you know, I think it's
1: just, you know, we saw some of the traffic from the tram, especially during rush hour. And, you know, I think really the public transit was going to be the way to get to back to our hotel very quickly, and probably the only way we're going to do it without getting stuck in traffic for a lengthy period. Of time. Probably why those taxi drivers were so particular about not using the meter, right?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, as we're talking, I'm looking here because we also took the ferry over. We didn't take it over to Uscador. Do you remember where we took that ferry the next day? I think we went to.
1: I think we took it from. It was it Kadikoy to Karakoy? Something like that. Yeah.
0: Maybe it was Karakoi to Kadakoi.
1: Yeah. Karakoi to Kadakoi. Basically, well, that was the Asian side, right? Wasn't it that we, we ended up taking the ferry to?
0: Yeah, we did. We Our last day, we hit three continents. We did Europe, Asia, and then you know we landed in uh, North America.
1: By the way, the food that they had over there, I, could have seen, I saw three or four places that I would have enjoyed. But uh, once again, we did not plan it correctly.
0: <laughs> we did not plan it correctly. No. And at that point... So our flight out on our last day was like a seven o'clock flight and we were like trying to get out. We knew we needed to leave the hotel no later than about three and we got a late start. Then the ferry was a little bit, you know, off timed from what we had uh, thought we'd have. And so we didn't have nearly the amount of time on the Asia side as I think we wanted. And it was- We were rushing
1: at the end, but we managed to get the ferry, the funicular, the cable car. We got all the modes except we for did. the boats.
0: We absolutely did, which was Nice. And then we had a, you know, it was almost bittersweet bidding adieu to the Grand Hyatt uh, Istanbul.
1: That's right. And we made our way to Istanbul Airport. Pretty unremarkable cab ride. We did do a regular taxi this time on Uber, and, and that ended up being pretty reasonable, right? Like somewhere in what, the $25, 30 range, something like that? Yeah, was that right?
0: 25 30 which, I, I mean, I yeah. think that's what you expect going to yes. Istanbul Airport. Yep. And, and you we got in, right into
1: the premium uh, check-in area, right?
0: We did. We did. Yeah. And one thing to note on Uber, you do pay a 20 lira premium. But I think every time that we did Uber, we never had a problem with them turning on the meter. I mean, I know that that sounds weird, but I feel like almost, you know, remove the friction. I'll pay about 80 cents, what, 70, 80 cents to just remove the friction.
1: I think Uber is a way to go. If you need to get a taxi, it's, it's a way not to get scammed. And I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb in in Istanbul, and they'll use the regular t- yellow taxi, you know, services. Right? That's that's what typically came. It wasn't private cars. It was it was kind of the standard taxi company.
0: Exactly. It was just you didn't have to worry about them putting the meter on because I guess that's how the Uber would uh, would ultimately automatically. Be. Yeah. Yep. And so we get to that beautiful Turkish, the premium area of Turkish. I forgot how wonderful that was from our twenty twenty one trip. I mean, you just walk into this big area and it just, it felt very much like Thai or even the first experience for what Cutter Airways in Doha. Like, I mean, it's that big. Of course, thing. I got a quad
1: oh. S. Uh, that was not the kind of premium experience I was hoping for on my boarding pass there. Did they really treat you differently? No, they didn't. For whatever reason, I don't think it mattered. But when I got it, I was like, oh, damn. And for those of you who don't know, when you, when you have four S's on your boarding pass, that typically means that you've been selected for some random s- additional screening. By security, although in this case maybe the Turkish officials don't know what that means, because <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel like I got any different treatment when they were doing security screening before boarding.
0: Well, I mean, they could tell you'd been to a hammam, so they knew that you know you'd already been searched.
1: Yes, I've already been exfoliated, so don't need any more.
0: <laughs> no deep tissue massage needed. So the check-in, super easy. In fact, I actually had uh, one of those – so some of those check-ins actually had a little chair or a little bench for you to sit. I noticed you were
1: lounging there. I was like, whoa, okay, someone is uh, in a semi-recumbent position, unlike some of us who were main vertical.
0: I mean, they offered me a little bottle of water. I mean, what else can I ask for?
1: Someone was being bougie.
0: Yeah. I, I, when offered, <laughs> why not Why not take? <laughs> So we didn't check any bags. We just uh, went on to security. Security was amazingly easy, other mm-hmm. than the fact that I forgot a bottle of Park Hyatt water. He <laughs> <You> knew exactly <laughs> where it was, pulled it out, yep. said yep. my apologies, and we moved on on our way. Yeah, once again, I was
1: ahead of you in security. for so. I was like, what? This is very odd.
0: Well, you know why you were ahead of me in security? Because at customs, I made a really stupid mistake. So what I do occasionally, if I keep my wallet with me, and sometimes I keep my wallet with me, sometimes I don't when I'm touring in a new city. If I do keep my wallet with me, I take some of the high dollar bills out and I put it in my passport because I don't want to, you know, just leave it randomly in the hotel safe. I just put it in my passport in the safe. Well, I had a $100 bill in my passport <laughs> <laughs> that I forgot to take out. <laughs> yeah, this is not the something that you like to admit, but like, you know... <laughs> Thank God the Turkish customs guy is like here. Take this. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was I was mortified. I'm like, oh my God, that that could have really been bad. Like, whew, I apologize. Like, I was not trying to put like, you in an awkward position, sir. I was like, what
1: does this guy want me to do for this hundred dollars? Like, I don't quite get it.
0: You just like get this out of my head. Get this out of my face. I don't need this. Yeah, you know, sometimes you find like a an old boarding pass. They give that to me too. Ooh. <laughs> anyway we got lucky there is it closing time is that what that means so thankfully the customs agent didn't throw me into a green room i would have deserved it by my stupidity but i think that's how you got ahead of me in security and then we got through security i think quite easily and we navigated ourselves to the turkish lounge
1: yes the world famous or although or you know I think formerly world famous. I used to always love going to the Turkish Lounge. I always find that the Turkish Business Lounge is among the nicest in the world, but not as much lately, I guess, for a couple of reasons.
0: Yeah. Well, the first time we went, I just remember Amazing P-Day. The P-Day is just, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, is just as good as it used to be, or just as good as it that, that is
1: true. They do have excellent P-Day, and it's, it is one reason to go, and you know, definitely budget some time to go to the lounge.
0: They do have a golf simulator. I did not partake of that. They did have like one or two tiny little carts of wine, which was kind of surprising to me. But I mean, it did the job. They had plenty of beer, a surprising amount of beer. They had no established bar, though, which seemed weird to me. Like they had. Like, it's very had odd that there's not bars. a bar area. They had like, you know, a bunch of juice at one of the bars. They had a bunch of coffee. I don't even know if. Did they have like a barista? I can't even remember.
1: Uh, I think there was. I think there was a barista somewhere. Yeah. I think there was a barista.
0: But you know, there was one thing that I think both of us observed pretty quickly was missing.
1: And this is probably the first lounge in the world that I've experienced this at.
0: Like, there's plenty of lounges I've been to. And in fact, the Turkish lounge in 2021 where they they didn't have alcohol. Like, I've been to plenty of lounges without alcohol. But Mm -hmm. a lounge that didn't have soft drinks. There was no. I think between the two
1: of us, we must have been to at least you know a hundred lounges, right? At least easily, you know, probably it's into the high three digits. I'm pretty sure between the two of us, the number of airport lounges we've been to.
0: We go to like five lounges a trip,
1: (laughs) (laughs) right? On average. So that's probably a good, that's probably a good number. Uh, (laughs) Mind you, there's probably a lot of visits to the same lounges, but yeah, it is almost inexplicable why this lounge had absolutely no soft, they had sparkling water, they had juices, they had beer, but no soft drinks.
0: And we even asked because we were like, do you have like Diet Coke? Oh no, no, we don't have that. Like I haven't done any research to figure out why this is the case. But I'm astonished. I don't know about you. It's not like they
1: didn't have it on board the plane. I mean, they did serve soft drinks in the air. But for some reason, yeah. I don't know if there's some sort of contract dispute or if there's, you know, I, and I'm pretty sure they had it last year or not last year, two years ago when we were there in 2021. Because I, I don't remember it. And I would have remembered if they didn't have it.
0: I remember Miranda or Fanta. In 2021, like I I explicitly, but they didn't have beer. They didn't have wine at that time. So maybe it's either beer and wine or soft drinks, or there's some bigger thing that we just don't understand. You know, because I will say people-
1: this lounge does have a lot of food stations. They had the day station. They had a station where you could get some sort of like teriyak chicken or some chicken tikka masala. They had a, a Greek station, a place where you could get Turkish kebabs, a place where you could get baklava, a place where you could get Turkish yogurt drink, a, a Turkish coffee, Turkish tea. You know, they had a, a lot of different stations where you could get different things. So that is one kind of impressive thing about this lounge. But, yeah, no soft drinks. Kind of a weird layout. I mean, it's an immensely large lounge, a lot of square footage, but for some reason, it doesn't feel as impressive as either the old Turkish lounge at the old airport or some other lounges we've been at.
0: No, it just doesn't. I mean, it reminds me of like the business version of the Emirates lounge in the old terminal, not the new terminal. It reminds me of, See that. of maybe a lounge in Hong Kong's airport where yep. you know, you're know you above the fold But you're still sort of out there and, you know, in some cases, you're a little bit on display.
1: Yep. Yep. It's nice and wide open. You can see the massive terminal. I think maybe it's a scale problem. I think the whole problem with Istanbul Airport in general is it is not built at the human scale. It is such a large facility, is very vast, with a huge interior space. It's hard to get a grasp on how far things are because... You have no relative distance type of monuments or markers to understand how far things are.
0: But I almost think that's very indicative of Byzantine architecture. I mean, I, I'm not going to – argue a, That's that a good point. Is, is Byzantine-ness. Yep. I guess
1: it would be on brand for the rest of Istanbul with all their gigantic mosques and churches and, and such that are, again, not at that human scale, but that are kind of massive and impressive
0: from that perspective. It just reminds me of the same thing. Like, even in Tuxim Square, there's a mosque there, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, I could probably hit you with a tennis ball, but I still can't believe on the size and just how enormous you look. And it's the same feeling inside the airport. Like, I mean, that, that roof's got to be, what, a couple hundred meters high?
1: I mean... Yeah, well, it's not even the height of the various, like, domes and other things inside that airport. Well, no,
0: but the height... It's the, the distance. Height, and then everything being wide and... it's just enormous. And it is enormous. It's just so darn cool. But it's like, I mean, gosh, it makes you feel small. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even their board, they have that big board. It's obviously LED. It's not like a flipper, like what they have in Frankfurt Airport. But even the big board, I mean, it literally feels like it's like two or three X the size of the Frankfurt board. And worse, it's literally just sitting in the middle of the terminal. Like it's not against a wall. It's just Mm -hmm. like, you know, on two stanchions or two pylons and it's in the middle and you're just like looking up at it and you're like, oh my God, you feel like Ryan Bingham, but like a mini Ryan Bingham.
1: So we attempted to go to the other priority pass lounge at this airport, right?
0: We did. And the funny part is, is the last time we were there in 21, we went there and we had no problem at all to get in there. This yep. time, my gosh, it might as well have been a Capital One or a Centurion Lounge. I mean they had a line had to have been fifty people deep.
1: This was about what, maybe about five o'clock, six o'clock in the evening, so uh, let's say for for those of you possibly planning your returns from Istanbul Airport, just keep that in mind. You know, I would budget for some Entry time and that priority pass that's out there. We didn't go to both. I think there's a second one somewhere, but the one that's closest kind of to the main uh, terminal area where, with all the duty free shopping and kind of the main security, that one, we went up the escalator and then we immediately went back down the escalator once we saw the line.
0: Yeah, it was right by the Lego store, I remember. Unfortunately, yeah, we cannot validate whether or not they had soft drinks.
1: <laughs> I know that <laughs> that the would last be interesting. We
0: were there. Well, the funny thing is, is, the last time we were there, they did have Turkish wine. And mm-hmm. I remember talking to the bartender and, and they're like, oh, yeah, the reason we have Turkish wine is because any other wine is like hugely taxed here. And that so the only me. thing we can afford this, you know, to serve complimentary is Turkish wine. And they have a very vibrant Turkish wine industry or I don't know if that's what you'd call it.
1: I think there was a, a, quite a bit of drinking of Turkish wines while we were here, mainly by Trevor.
0: And I can say they were all wonderful. They were wonderful. <laughs> I don't know that I'd pay the premium to have them here in the States. But when I go back, I'll definitely be looking forward to them.
1: So, shall we talk about the flight home?
0: Oh gosh, I think we should. Let's see. It too was a late flight. It was a what a seven thirty or seven thirty five flight out of uh, Istanbul going back. Sounds about me. right. About a, a little
1: under. I mean, it's. I think it was originally scheduled for eleven hours, but it ended up being less than that because I think we got some favorable winds or something. Right.
0: Oh my gosh, it, it felt like it was a nine and a half hour flight or something weird like that. Like we were supposed to get in at ten thirty p.m. And I think we got in at 9.30. So yeah, maybe it was hey, –
1: I don't. We weren't complaining. Half. We didn't get to see all of the Super Bowl. The fun thing is we were able to watch the Super Bowl on the plane, right? We were. We didn't get the advertisements.
0: And unfortunately, we yes. landed before the end of overtime. And not yes. only that, we were 10 minutes behind. One of the other passengers did inform me that we were 10 minutes behind on the Super Bowl. So I don't know if we landed before the end of overtime or if we just landed.
1: I don't think it was the end of regulation before we landed. I think we we, were landing probably right into the fourth quarter, I think.
0: You're right. Yes. Yes, exactly. So obviously, you know, disembarkation was a little dicey. You know, here we are. We're standing with our bags down. I've still got my uh, headphones on. A couple of other passengers have their headphones on. And then, you you know, they sort of give a sign that the door is open. And so we drop the headphones and just leave. (laughs) But uh, we were waiting uh, until the the very last minute. Just, you know, I guess that's the the fact of traveling with a Super Bowl on.
1: I will just say just quickly on on the flight back, just from a meal's perspective, they did do the full service. They did have the carts that came out. You know, you can pick and choose what you wanted for appetizers and and the only problem is we were kind of the last ones to select, so they ran out of what we would have selected. We probably would have wanted the lamb chops or whatever and I ended up going with the fish again, although this time the fish was much better than the you know, the hockey puck or whatever it is that I got the first time around.
0: I was so disappointed to miss out on that lamb dish. It just sounded so delicious. I had some sort of a pasta dish. I ended up beefing up on the appetizers. They had a nice pea soup that it was surprisingly good. Like I've never been a fan of pea soup. And I was like, you know yeah. what? Let me give it a shot. You, you, you yeah, know, they, I, had I, it, they had it in the little big uh, bowl yeah. on, the, on the tray. And I was like, hey, that looks pretty good.
1: I skipped it because it was described as a sweet pea soup. And I was like, I don't like my soup to be sweet. So <laughs> I skipped it. But I enjoyed all the other appetizers. They were all pretty good, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. It wasn't overly sweet, by the way. It was just – I felt like it was a good flavor. Yeah. And then the dessert was okay, I think. But that pre-arrival meal at 10 – at what? Like, you know, 8, 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> your breakfast. Another lovely breakfast, breakfast. huh? <laughs> They had just the Super most,
1: Bowl breakfast.
0: The Super Bowl breakfast was—I mean, my gosh—it was better than the Super Bowl. I think <laughs> the fruit wasn't as good as the flight out, but they had this just wonderful couple of pancakes, and they were like these puffy, like almost like artisanal pancakes, and they were just amazing with like a nice little vanilla, uh, vanilla cream on them. I was like, this is like a dessert right here. So I have to say, you know, from two flights on Turkish most recently. Their pre-arrival meal game is stellar. I very mean, strong. Very, very strong. Like, like maybe the strongest of any business class product I've flown.
1: You know, and they do do the Doe & Co. catering, right? So they use the same caterers, I think, that Austrian, Lufthansa, and I think British Airways at this point, they all use Doe Co., I think.
0: Oh, British Airways uses it now too.
1: That was a recent thing. I think in the last few years, they switched to Doe Co. And Doe & Co. has a fairly high, I think, reputation for in-flight catering, which is why I I was kind of disappointed by my inedible fish that I received on the way out. But otherwise, they generally do a very good job catering these flights.
0: Having flown British Airways back in, what, October? I feel like they gauge their catering to the airline to an extent. I mean, obviously, we know (laughs) that with Lufthansa and with Austrian. So maybe Turkish is just, I mean, it just surprises me because Turkish actually makes the effort to have an onboard chef. Etihad used to do that. They don't even do that anymore. So how could you, like, focus on, you know, want your catering to be so good that you put an onboard chef and then just put such poor product out there?
1: Well, I I think it's a gimmick. I mean, I just think it's just another flight attendant that wears a hat.
0: Fancy hat. Definitely a fancy fancy hat. hat.
1: (laughs) I will say also just quickly, you know, for business class customers, you are also going to get the ability to access the online internet. There was onboard Wi-Fi on both of these flights. And as a business class passenger, you did get a kind of an online voucher for I forget, was it like a maybe like a gigabyte or two hundred and fifty megs or something like that?
0: I thought it was one gigabyte unless you had status with the miles program.
1: Right. So you do have some ability and I did use some of it and it seemed usable. I don't know if I'd be streaming, you know, YouTube videos or anything on it, but you know, I think if you wanted to just check your email, do your social media and you know, maybe do some mild web browsing, you'd probably be pretty happy with that service for free, as it turns out. If I you sure happen to be doing a, a business class redemption.
0: I sure couldn't stream the Super Bowl commercials on it. I missed out on the commercials. <laughs> did don't we worry, did I ended commercials. up. I ended up going back and looking at many of them, and and to be honest with you, they weren't amazing. <laughs> I mean,
1: I watched a few on YouTube. Yep.
0: I don't want to create a divisive product or divisive topic here, but I thought Duncan was at least entertaining.
1: Were there any advertisements for Australia? There, perhaps, maybe oh the second largest city God. there.
0: Was there? No, no there
1: weren't. I'm just trying to get you to say Melbourne.
0: Oh well. <laughs> What a few years ago, a few years ago, Visit Australia did this just amazing advertisement, and I was just like, it was like the trailer to a movie. It was like Crocodile Dundee's son uh-huh. comes back to I don't know, were they out of Melbourne, or were they? Uh- oh, oh, everyone, everyone, drink, drink, drink. There you go.
1: <laughs> okay, sorry, I it was. It's toward the end of the episodes. I just want to make sure that we get all our bingo, you know, pieces done. You guys, I, some- I probably need you to say Lufthansa first class, or you know, something about fairies, but it's okay.
0: I was close on the Lufthansa First Class when we were talking about Go and Co. You just missed your opportunity. But yeah, but you, but you know,
1: that we, I think we retired the Lufthansa First you Class. It. I think that was, I think we retired it. There's a new target for this drinking game now.
0: There is. And to be honest with you, if- It's uh,
1: 2024. Get if, with
0: it. If Visit Australia ever wants to make that movie, I will be at the premiere. <laughs> I would love to be at that premiere. I mean, they, they did a really good job with that. Was that Super Bowl like three years ago, four years ago? I don't yeah. know. I don't remember. I wonder. I don't remember I it at all. I'm going to have to find that link and include it in the show notes. Okay. So we finished our Super Bowl flight and I think we still needed to make it home, didn't we, TK? We did. Or Tom.
1: Yeah, I think the, the global cl- entry formalities were really easy in Newark, right? At least I don't think we had very much of a problem other than there were some people in front of, of the line that just hadn't even used the kiosk that were like blocking the way.
0: Yeah, I think I might have politely used my New Yorkerness to just kind of you know how like you control your spinner luggage <laughs> around people? Yes. I, I kind of I, I think I had to do that and the... I
1: excused me around them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just don't have a lot of patience for people and and, and I I need to get better with that's a personal fallacy of mine. But yeah, we made it through global entry fairly quickly. Pretty long walk. You know, walking from the base of the banjo to the tip of the banjo so to speak, right? And Yeah, longer um, than I thought. I
1: figured the amount of walking would be somewhat minimal given the nature of the terminals at Terminal B, but I guess we were probably at the extreme of the banjo, and then we, I guess the customs and uh, immigration part of the building is, is pretty far deep into the bowels of Terminal B.
0: You know, that's probably really appropriate when we're talking about Newark. Uh, <laughs> 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 but moving on, what was it, the air train to uh, the Terminal rental A. car facility, which is right by Terminal A, in fact, right?
1: Yes. Also a fairly lengthy walk cuz you have to pretty much walk to the parking structure which is where the rental car facility is.
0: Yeah, this is one I want to spend a little bit of time on. Not because I think renting with Budget is amazing, but rather I make the point uh, whenever I rent now to rent with National because I know I can just arrive and just pick whatever car and I just would go. have never
1: known that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's not like you've heard that like five times.
1: It's not like, you know, as the person driving home for three or four hours, you know, I, I've got this like advertisement. Well, next time go national, go like a pro.
0: <laughs> Guilty as charged. But but I think we were Little Little did he this. know
1: that that was the smoothest budget experience I ever had, which still involved a lot of rigmarole.
0: Yeah. So let's t- tell us about the smoothest <laughs> budget experience you've ever had. Oh, man.
1: You know, it's funny because yeah, budget, which I've unfortunately had the experience of of using budget several times. And strangely enough, I think they've been one of the lower options. I think, you know, so this is obviously, this is where I will express my cheapness and being a cheap person and and not wanting to spend more money than I need to. But budget typically involves a line, even when you're using Fastbreak. And I was really excited. This is the first time I think I'd done Fastbreak and actually saw my name on a TV monitor with a number next to it. Of course didn't really help us because that n- number didn't actually represent a spot for a car. It just had the number two. <laughs> there were no parking spaces with the number two, were there?
0: No, there was A2, E2, B2, C2. J2,
1: K2, you know I think? <laughs>
0: <laughs> just pick a two. That's all you need pick to do. A two. <laughs> pick a two. I you think we <to> – Pikachu. <laughs>
1: You know, it's funny, we actually did find a person, which is, I think, the first part that, you know, was the one thing that I was like, oh, thank God, there's actually a person down here. And they did tell us just, you know, pick a car and, you know, just, you know, go out to the checkout. But that just began the little, the little odyssey that we had.
0: Yeah, like, and that's the thing that threw me off, right? So like, we get there, and I get that there's like a whole new set of people in all these companies and stuff. And the woman's like, oh, I'm new here. I don't see anything of your car associated with you. And so it's like, don't you have somebody to call? No, I'm new here. I don't know who to call. Like there's literally a dude walking like, you know, 150 feet over. (laughs) Can you call him? He had a thing. And she's like, no, I'll just send you back there and you'll have to go to the counter. It's like, but you are the counter.
1: (laughs) So, you know, so the lady that was there at the gate of the budget car rental, uh, probably one of the most important employees that you need to have trained well was definitely the least trained employee in that entire facility. We ended up going around back into the car area, finding uh, the gentleman we met before. He was able to actually get us checked out properly. And then we were on our way. But, you know, after, unfortunately, at least one missed, (laughs) as is often the case, we don't seem to be able to do things in Newark the first try. It usually takes a second or a third, maybe a fifth try. I think that seems to be the theme of this trip. But fortunately after that, you know, again, after the first aborted attempt, we did manage to get out probably within about, what is that, maybe 10, 15 minutes of of getting to the area, which again, that was the quickest I've ever been out of a a budget car rental area. There usually is a long line and for some reason the fast break isn't working and usually the person in front of me doesn't have whatever driver's license or whatever that they need and they're usually the ones that take, you know, 50 minutes to complete a checkout.
0: I'm just going to say we went like a pro with budget. (laughs)
1: I feel like, you know, you, you know, the actor that plays Putty, you know, in Seinfeld, he's like one of the, uh, that's who I felt like I was in the car next to uh, all the way back on the New Jersey Turnpike.
0: <laughs> I know a I lot like, of Seinfeld references, but that is not one I know. <laughs> that is not one of them.
1: Go like a pro, go national.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling more like the guy, what's his name, from, oh gosh, he was in the latest Maverick as like the one star uh, or the two star. You know, the guy from- John John Hamm? John Yeah, Hamm? I was feeling like him. You Is know, John like Ham the, the spokesman for National now? Wasn't he? He's been a spokesman for ages, isn't he?
1: Uh, he was, I thought he was a spokesman for like Mercedes-Benz or something. I don't, I don't oh, know. well, we'll have no, to look have this to. up at some point. Okay, no, we okay now real, we have to do some real-time Googling. On-the-fly producing here of the podcast, on-the-fly producer here. Right. I will say just, you know, quickly, there were multiple mistakes made on this trip, but another one was – The in-car toll, we had actually brought our own Easy Pass, but in the kind of all the drama of getting this car checked out of the rental car area, I don't think we did a good job of of checking for this this toll. And we had, I think, my transponder and the car rental transponder up at the same time. So needless to say, I'm not sure exactly how much I'm going to get charged for the tolls on the New Jersey Turnpike because I think we had uh, two tolls up. So just watch out for your toll responder. Usually there's like a little plastic case with like a kind of flip. Down lever, which uh, makes the uh, toll transponder visible to the toll reelers. Just make sure if you want to actually use that, double check it before you leave.
0: So far as I can tell, I think I'm wrong. I don't okay. know who it is. I well, cannot... I think it's
1: that guy that was played Putty on Seinfeld. You know, he was the go go national, go like a pro. You know, he's he's that. I don't know. That might be a couple years ago though. It's been a while since I've seen a national commercial. It Thus is the state of time. our you know car rental. they probably don't need to advertise because then I think people know that, that National is kind of the the way to go if you can possibly help it. But you know, usually you're paying a premium for that.
0: Yeah, and that's a really good point. For one ways, I found National to be just incredibly expensive. I mean, so I think you paid what, under a hundred dollars, and I was $100. looking at I was looking at the amount that like maybe ten dollars less than what you were paying, but then like you know, 10 cents a mile or something like, or five cents a mile to do National. And that was just not going to work. So, yeah. you know, I don't question using budget. I just joke about how the fact that no other rental car company can seem to make it as simple and frictionless as National can. Now, maybe you Avis mean, is that good. I mean, I've tried Avis no. in the
1: past. No, I've, I've, Even I've if done I'm done Avis. On the they're board, just as
0: bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's They're pretty the bad.
1: Hertz isn't great either. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I think National's the only one that's got it down to a science about not making it a frictionless process for you. Because I've had problems at Hertz. I've had problems at Avis. I've had problems at Budget, Dollar, Thrifty, you know, all of them.
0: Yeah. And I hate to say it, but we talk occasionally about lifestyle inflation. And that's one of them. Like the two areas where I definitely have felt lifestyle inflation is I want to land, be in my car, and be on my way. And With that, it's either a rental car from national, preferably without having to get on a bus to go to like some remote, you know, rental car facility, or it's parking where I can walk to my car, you know, whether it's in the garage or whatever at the airport. I mean, those two things, I mean, don't get me wrong, they add cost, but like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I want my latte every day. I can go without a cappuccino every day, but, but I want my car close. Whether it's a rental car or my own car. When you know, this I think it's a good
1: time to mention like kind of like that kind of good rule of thumb, you know, like it used to be the ten dollar rule, now maybe it's with inflation's probably the twenty dollar rule or maybe even it's the true. thirty dollar rule yeah. at this time. But you know, when you're on vacation, you know, when you can spend twenty dollars or thirty dollars and reduce some friction in your life, do it. You know, because you know, especially, you know, that, that first hour after you land from a transatlantic flight, yeah, that's valuable time. That's time where you don't want to be, you want to try to minimize as much as possible the amount of time you're going to spend in line or on a bus or waiting for somebody to do something because that is absolutely valuable time. And so use that rule of thumb. If you can spend 20, $30 and save yourself some aggravation, it's probably worth it. At least, you know, once or twice during your trip. That being said, This was probably a case where it was more than $20 or $30. So that's probably why we didn't go the national route. But I'm glad you reminded me of that decision uh, several times during that trip. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. By the way, this is the final indulgence of the trip, I think. And uh, you are welcome, Trevor. (laughs) It
0: it was so kind of you to drive. I mean, that's all I'm (laughs) going to say. Especially given that Turkish was serving, you know, Tattinger on, on board. It was just a wise move to have you be the designated driver. And I was the designated
1: did. driver. I made us I, home. I did make it home safe, I think. And we did make it in pretty good time, too.
0: I have never gotten home that fast from Newark. And I've taken the train. <laughs> I've taken planes. There's never been a faster ride than you. So you, you know, by all means, kudos to you and the rocket ship that you found at Buckley. I may have been uh, pushing
1: a little bit in Delaware, apparently, so
0: that's <laughs> the, I think that's all well, right
1: let, let's just say that you know yeah I, we we gambled in one when it came to the Delaware expressway lottery.
0: If we've established anything on this podcast, you are a master gambler at least
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my win loss statement would agree with you, but okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably a topic we want to dive into on another podcast.
1: That might time. be another podcast. Uh, there that, that was actually, you know, there was no actual monetary gambling on this particular guy's trip as it turns out.
0: Well, I mean, unless you get pulled off by a cop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, fortunately, yeah, there was no wagering that was required uh, on this trip. That was a
0: good thing. Yeah, no, everything worked out real well. I got to say this was a wonderful guy's trip. I think we tried uh, some things outside of our comfort zone. I know that I don't always do mass transit and that's something that I have wanted to get better at. And I felt like I got a lot of confidence with the Turkish system. I felt like it was a really easy system to learn. And I felt like everything just worked out really, really well with that Turkish pass. And I think I got you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit with the haircut, with the hammam. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
1: I was outside of my zone, obviously not enough to disagree. I mean, when you said it, I was, you know... Maybe rolled my eyes or grimaced a little bit, but I was like, you know what? That's fine. I was fine with it. So I did not put up too much. I don't think I put up too much of a – what do you call it? Too much of, uh, of an or, argument? Uh, yeah, argument or – I didn't present too much of a, a problem for you, I hopefully, when it came to
0: this. No problem. Just a lot of interesting experiences. And I think that makes Turkey and Istanbul in specific a really interesting destination. Yes. And, and even at 65,000 each way on Miles and Smiles, if you're able to generate a bunch of those city thank you points or Capital One points, I think it's a great option. Out of Chicago, you got the A350. Out of Newark, you got the 7879. JFK is still on the old 777. I think Dulles, one of the flights might have a 7879, and the other one has a 777. There's a handful of great options on Turkish to get to just one of the cities of history. And I think it's a. Uh, you know, while we didn't really talk about the Blue Mosque or Hagia Sophia or Tupkapi Palace, I mean, there's just so much to see there. And, and I will say, if those parts are a place you want to go, look at the Hagia Sophia mansions, I think it is. They are a Hilton Curio property. We stayed there when we went in 21. And, I mean, literally, I could have thrown a tennis ball at Hagia Sophia. I would never have because, I mean, I'd probably get kicked out of the country. But that's how close my hotel room was to Hagia Sophia. Highly recommend the city. Highly recommend going. Highly recommend Turkish. Your thoughts? Yeah. And I, I would say, you know,
1: also, you know, realize that Turkish is obviously not the only airline you have to fly to get there. You know, there are many other options and some cases can be very competitive. You know, obviously that the Istanbul market is is a pretty good one in terms of competitiveness with different European carriers. And you may find also very interesting cash fares out of that particular airport. So I definitely keep an eye out. I think we often see a very compelling business class fairs out of Istanbul, because again, it is a very interesting market that with connectivity around the world. So definitely keep your options open
0: if you can. And for those of you that have been in the game for a while, you've never saw such a place. Oh, come on. You don't remember the life miles saw SAW? Oh God. Oh God. That's what you're going on. All right, fine. I was trying to have a, like a fun joke. And I mean, it wasn't even a dad joke. It
1: went over my head. I'm sorry, it's it's too late in the evening for me to take uh, Trevor's humor. So, well, that's listeners, if, if you got the gist of the joke. Congrats to you. Yeah, have another drink on me.
0: <laughs> well, I guess we should close it out. Huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Well, that's cool. a show.
0: <laughs> <Go> for <laughs> it. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed. <laughs> If you've enjoyed this episode, consider becoming a Myelonomics Patreon member and get access to even more in-depth miles, points, travel, and bad dad joke content. (laughs) Until then, we hope your next story is a travel story. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.